Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is Another Bottle Down, and it's a radio show broadcast on co-op in Austin, Texas. And then I make this podcast with the amazing content, the uh, interviews with winemakers and various wine personalities. So thank you so much for checking this out. Uh, 2018 is going to be a very exciting time. Uh, This is the first show of 2018. Uh, As you may have noticed, I haven't posted in a while, and that's because I've been in Portugal getting interviews and recording a lot of amazing stuff with winemakers in Portugal. Uh, I was did, conducted about 10 interviews over five wine regions, so I learned a ton, and you're going to experience the trip with me. So make sure to like this show and subscribe in the iTunes store or wherever you get your podcasts uh, so that you don't miss any great content. So I really appreciate that. And tell your friends, of course, everybody in your wine circle. Uh, On today's show, I'm really happy to have uh, Maddie Richards, who is the sales director of Roti Cellars in Walla Walla. They're a relatively new winery, uh, and they they purchased a vineyard in a really cool area of Walla Walla. Of course, we're talking about Washington State. And Maddie and I get into some wonderful discussion about the geology of Washington State, uh, how the Columbia River Basin was formed, and then how Walla Walla became so special, and particularly this area called the Rocks of Milton Freewater. So if you've heard of this area before, you're going to love this interview. If you haven't, I think you're going you're gonna to hear some things that might just uh, wow you and, and make a real impression. So um, before we get into the interview, just a few wine and food events that should be on your radar for the Austin, Texas area. February 25th is Toast and Roast. That's an event featuring uh, Texas wine and and a lot of the wineries that that achieve the top scores in the Austin Chronicles uh, Jessica Dupuis list on the top uh, Texas wines. And that is put on by the Wine and Food Foundation of Texas. Also uh, by the Wine and Food Foundation of Texas is uh, the Rare and Fine Wine Auction. So that is April 7th. Definitely any wine lover or collector should be involved in that. April 27th through the 29th is the Austin Wine and Food Festival. Of course, a who's who in the, in the actually the nation's wine and food game. Uh, and then February 21st, uh, I'm conducting a really interesting small class on how wine ages. So there'll be wines of varying ages, and we'll taste them blind, and we'll have fun, and we'll, we'll try and guess what, how, how old they are. So I uh, hope to see you at one of those events. And without further ado, we are going to have Maddie Richards introduce herself and her winery. I'm Maddie Richards. I'm with Roti Cellars, and I am the sales director. And uh, we're out of Walla Walla, Washington, a small producer um, in the valley. And we solely focus on room varietals and mostly traditional blends and really just um, excited to be here. Yeah, and we'll talk about the varietals kind of one one by one and, and hone in on that. But can you give us a an overview of kind of Washington wine. Of course, your world is Walla Walla, and I think a lot of people who know wine, they know Walla Walla, but for folks who might just be getting familiar with Washington State, can you kind of give us an overview, honing in then eventually on Walla Walla? Sure. So most people think of Seattle when they think of Washington State, which is 
um, you know, gets a lot of precipitation, very, um, very wooded, very, you know, green and lush. However, there's a very large mountain range that runs straight down the middle of our state, as well as Oregon, um, the Cascade Mountains. So um, as soon as you get over the other side of the mountains, um, we have a rain shadow effect. So um, the average rainfall on the eastern side of the mountains is actually six to eight inches. So wow. it's, it's desert. Yeah. Um, so um, all the rain dumps on the Cascades, and then you have essentially high desert or you know desert right yeah it's high desert and just arid land um all all on the eastern side yeah the the um you know clouds they get really heavy with water and then they need to lighten up to go over the other side so they dump all their 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 water before they before they see us yeah um so once you get to the other side uh it's, it's super dry um very very sunny um Technically, we get 300 days of sun. I I don't know. I don't really see that in Walla Walla, but <laughs> <laughs> um, that's that's the uh, the motto. Um, and once you start approaching the the there's the Columbia Basin, so it's uh, the way the basin formed just for a crash course on geology is that it. Um, there was a whole, a whole bunch of lava flows coming through there, and there was so much lava deposit in the area that the entire um, land just sunk. Wow. And so that's where it gives you the the basin that we have today. So that's the majority of where the um, the wine region is, and it's actually quite large. It runs a, a vast majority of um, north and south of Washington State, all the way up to Chilean and Ancient Lakes, which is pretty far north, um, all the way down to the very into Oregon. So you're crossing over the state line a little. I mean, bit. it's hard to it's hard to wrap our heads around that, that there was so much lava there yeah. causing and then and then hardening into basalt or so that that just, you know, sunk into the earth. Just I can't dropped even down. Yeah, imagine. Just fell out. And then, yeah. of course, a river, you know, then when there's a low point, a river kind of finds that path, right? right. And, and so, so that then, was the Columbia River right. then started to form there. So then the Columbia River formed and cut its way through what we now call the Columbia Gorge. Um, so there's a number of vineyards that are on both sides of the state line, uh, and the Columbia River kind of defines most of the state line. And that Columbia Gorge is on the border, Washington and Oregon. Yes. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Um, and so uh, you'll see you'll see vineyards um, mostly on the Washington side, but as you get closer to um, Portland area, there are there are several on the Oregon side as well. So um, it's a beautiful area. It's absolutely stunning. And because the Columbia is cut through cut through that um, basin, you see all this exposed basalt columns. So it's just these huge cliffs. They're about nine hundred thousand feet in height, and um, on this enormous body of water, and you have all these vineyards going along the the along the the, the river edge there. So, right. um, one of the vineyards that we source from is the benches, are formerly known as the Walula Vineyard, and it actually sits on one of those cliffs. So, our Muvedra block that we source there is a thousand feet above the water, um, on top of one of these basalt cliffs. But then we. On the other side of that, we have another vineyard that we source from that is 40 feet off the river. So, wow, and you can um, see almost how the soil changes as you go further up and higher in elevation, right? Absolutely, yeah. So it's just, you know, really, um, sun exposure is a huge thing, huge thing but uh, really just seeing, um, just seeing how you have such a different environment, 1,000 feet up in the air versus or elevation, you know, off the water versus 40 feet off the water. It's yeah. just two very different climates. Wow. So um, so in your world at Roti Cellars, of course, Roti is at 
in Walla Walla, though you're getting grapes from different parts of the state. Um, uh, you mentioned Walula Vineyard, which is a pretty famous vineyard that a, a number of wineries are getting grapes from. Um, so let's hone in then. Uh, Walla Walla is kind of a, is part of this Columbia uh, River Basin, right? right. Um, how, how then does Walla Walla become special? So Walla Walla was carved out of the Columbia Valley AVA um, not too terribly long ago. Um, so that's been, that's a, it's, a, it's another really unique site in that we're at the base of the um, Blue Mountains, so they're much lower elevation mountains. They're, I think, about 4,500 feet, 5,000. Uh, and they, um, so we get a little more rainfall compared to the rest of eastern Washington. We're closer to 8 to 12 inches of rain. Um, and it's a little bit of a cool pocket compared to the rest of eastern Washington. So um, we can do some really fantastic white Rome varietals. We can do uh, Syrah there, so it's more of a cooler climate Syrah. Um, but the really most unique thing about Walla Walla Valley is um, you have all these microclimates within the valley. And it's not a large area. It's actually quite small. Um, and one of those microclimates is the Rocks District of Milton Free Water is its full name. It's its official name. It became an, it's a sub-appellation of Walla Walla Valley as of 2015. Mm. Um, so that's really this um, alluvial yeah. fan deposit of River Rock. It's a remarkable place. Can we can we d- take some time to describe it? Sure. Because it's just a, you know, when you state it like that, it's a, an alluvial fan, and the you know, yeah. uh, but but really describe it. I mean, it's a, it's just a and and for I'll I'll post a picture if maybe we can find a picture uh, on the blog because it's just. A remarkable place. Um, how, how is it remarkable? So it's kind of funny uh, how it came up or how it came to be discovered. So it, um, during the Missoula floods, you had these um, massive chunks of ice breaking off from the big glaciers that were uh, further up north, and they would hit the what's called the Walula Gap, right where Walula Vineyard. Um, currently sits and uh, it would get wedged in between this narrowing and the Columbia River. So the whole valley would fill up with water. And this, again, this is like 12, 15,000 years ago. Right. Um, and then uh, as that ice melted and, and could squeeze through and fit, you know, the whole valley would drain out again. Uh, it's been calculated about 39 floods have happened in the Walla Walla Valley. Now that's over thousands yeah. of years, but um, it's it's still a, a a ton of water movement coming through um, our valley, and just basically an ocean that is is yeah, is, I mean, is basically filling up this uh, this um, you know the Columbia River basin essentially. Absolutely, right? yeah. I mean, yeah. and so it was a really violent time. Uh, you know, lots of things still forming, and the Blue Mountains were new, and uh, so you'd have this whole area drain out, and uh, all this wind would pick up, and it'd be super, super windy, so then you'd have um, totally exotic soil, um, where you you have, you know, pieces of, little pieces of granite in the, in the topsoil, which do not exist, that granite right. does not exist in Walla Walla Valley, so it's, it, the, the topsoil is completely exotic from our bedrock, which is the the basalt and there are a few erratics as well where um, some granite hitched a ride on a on an ice float and and deposited in Walla Walla Valley so there are a few of those um, actually Woodward Canyon who was at the tasting today has yeah. one um, yeah. which is super neat 
Um, I love that name, by the way, errat- you know, erratics, erratic. which are just, you know, just this, this big, you know, gra- granite boulder in the middle of nowhere, right? That right, just it's got to literally what it there. is, yeah. There's, yeah. And there's a few, if you drive around um, Walla Walla, in eastern Washington is um, truly wheat country as well. So um, that's first and foremost, probably the first ag there rather than, than vineyards. And um, you, have, you have some random chunks of granite sitting in the middle of... Of um, of wheat fields, so, yeah. So all over, right? And it, and then, but then back to the rocks, you right? Know. So sorry, circling back. So um, so while all that's happening, you have these rivers raging off of the Blue Mountains, and they're picking up all this stone as they're coming down the mountains, and uh, they hit the valley floor, the Walla Walla Valley floor, and you have um, the water slowing down. So the 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 rocks are too heavy to carry anymore, so they deposit right onto the valley floor. So you have about 150 to 200 feet of river rock. It's absolutely incredible, and it's also very laborious um, vineyard management and just, you know, basic gardening. I want to pause on that. 150 feet of river rock. I mean, how big are these these rocks, though, to give us an idea? Um, I mean, there's several inches in size. Most of them are, are, you know, fairly large. I mean, you're looking at five, six inches in diameter. Um, others are smaller. It's just all this tumbled basalt that is just, uh, the French call them galets. Right. And uh, this is the one of the only other places in the world that house them. Yeah. So we're very fortunate to, uh, to be able to grow in that region. And with, uh, so with the, these, um, this alluvial fan deposit, there was actually two. There was one uh, in the, over the town of Walla Walla and one in uh, Milton Free Water, which is the neighboring town actually in, in Oregon. And Walla Walla happened to develop more as a town, as, as a city, than Milton Free Water did. Milton Free Water stayed more rural. So right. this land was more available. You know, you could dig up Main Street in Walla Walla and find the same soil, but we do like main street so we're not we're not going to right you know um i live in the middle of town in walla walla and we do just backyard gardening and it's just full of river rock it's really? um yeah cool so off. so so had milton free how milton freewater developed a little bit more we would be talking about walla walla as the place you know for these maybe this unique soil right, right. yeah so um so it's it's super unique. It, it, you have all this um, stone, so it's well draining. It also provides a lot of minerality. And some of the interesting parts about it are that you know you have these vines that are um, are growing in it, and the rocks are not only absorbing heat throughout the day, and they're releasing a little bit at night. So they kind of work as a, a almost as a heating blanket, and there's still a little bit of ripeness happening. Um, well, that so, so I mean that's the whole concept in Chateauneuf du Pape exactly. as well, where where you have this kind of solar, this radiation effect that helps the ripening and you, you get more kind of ripeness around the tannins and, and, and that sort of... Do, do people talk about the wines from this, the Rocks District as being a little bit more kind of hefty and, and rich or is it more about the minerality and, the, and, and, and kind of the other complexities? I'd say overall the wines do tend to be bigger, more masculine and, and, and very rich. Uh, the pH is naturally a little bit higher there than it is in the rest of the valley. Um, Which you get with further ripening, right? Correct, yeah. yeah. So a little bit less acidity. Uh, and then they, they, just, they tend to be bigger wines in general. 
Yeah. yeah. Is, is Syrah the natural home uh, there? Does Syrah find its, its place there more than any other grape? Or are, is there wines of all kinds coming, coming out of there? There's a number of different varietals that are being glo- grown there. For, in my mind, it's Syrah's the shining star of, of the Rocks District. Um, but, you know, I've had some beautiful Grenaches there, and we also have Grenache planted in our state vineyards, so that's going to be really exciting. Um, but there are any number of varietals that are planted right. uh, in the rocks as well. Right. Uh, I do think Syrah and Grenache are probably the, the seem to be the, the most natural to grow there. But like I said, people who have uh, other wineries have other vi- vines planted in that and it, that are doing just just great. Right, so. right. So now that now the rocks of Milton Freewater is in the south part of Walla Walla on the Oregon side. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of tell us um, if we were to break up Walla Walla a little bit more? Um, you know, there's some unique wines coming out of the north and, and kind of the western part too. Can can you describe an overall layout? Yeah, so you really do, like I was mentioning earlier, there's a lot of different microclimates. So if you go to the west, you have a little bit um, warmer, more um, a more red red fruited um, black pepper quality Syrahs, and then as you move south uh, of town, not necessarily in the rocks, you get those really beautiful blue fruits and and just really dark qualities. And then up uh, east of town is is um, pristine, really just again blue fruits, but more. Um, cooler qualities to them. Um, That's when you're starting to get a little closer to the Blue Mountains? You're going up closer into the foothills, yeah. Closer to the foothills, so you you climb in elevation a little bit? Yep, so um, downtown um, is right around 500 feet elevation, uh, and you go east of town, and there's uh, several vineyards that are up that way that are closer to 1,000 to 1,600 feet elevation, and then there's um, some other vineyards that are a little further out that are closer they might actually be hitting almost 2,000 feet. Wow. So, and th- that's kind of where it caps out, that 2,000 feet Yeah, area. that's, that's yeah. The, the safe bet from there. That any higher than that, and you could run into some frost issues. But, yeah, um, yeah it's pretty interesting because it's just the, the wines can be so, so different. And Walla Walla, for, for those that don't know, it's, it's a very small town. We're, we're a town of 30,000 people. Um, we, you know, you, you often say all the way across town, but that's a total of seven minutes, you know, <laughs> right. so, um, you know, which would be a great day in Austin, right, you know, to be able to drive seven minutes somewhere. Okay, so 30,000 people, but there's there's something like 120 wineries for there's there, right? There's over or, 120 wineries uh, with, with 30,000 people in the yeah. city. Um, we eat and drink well, yeah. yeah right. <laughs> if you're just tuning in, this is Another Bottle Down on Co-op Radio. My name is Mark Rayshap. And we're talking with Maddie Richards from Roti Cellars. Uh, it's wonderful to be showcasing the wines of Walla Walla uh, from Roti Cellars and the wines of Washington State as well. Um, I have a history there, so it's, it's near and dear to my heart. So, um, okay, um, I think that, 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 that anything that we missed on Walla Walla, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a really dynamic place. And, and I think the wines are very distinctive than the rest of the state, right? Um, you kind of you, you get very high quality wines from Red Mountain as well, and some other parts of the state. But I think Walla Walla has this signature flavor. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, what? Uh, how did Roti? Let's start honing in on on Roti sellers and and some of the, you know, the the, the backstory and and some of the wines that you're making. Um, 
roti is relatively new, although it's causing some waves right now, uh, right? Tell us, tell us how roti started to get its start. Sure. So uh, we started in 2007 was our, our very f- first vintage. Uh, Sean Boyd is the owner and head winemaker, and he's actually formerly a geologist, and he was uh, in oil and gas exploration. And um, many moons ago, he decided that he wanted to get out of that business and, and really uh, go out on his own. And uh, had had some time on his hands to, to really kind of think about what he wanted to do next, his next move, and uh, decided to work harvest in Walla Walla Valley and fell in love with winemaking and the whole process. And of course, um, having a geology background, the, the vineyard side of things was super interesting to him. So totally. Um, he never turned back and uh, moved his family from Seattle to, to Walla Walla Valley in 2004 and uh, started um, Roti in 2007. And we um, also had our, our land in the rocks um, since about 2005, but we didn't plant it until 2013. Okay. So um, our vineyard is quite young and very new. But uh, Sean, you know, again, being a geologist, looked around and said, these climates, this soil, this is all very, uh, very much uh, Rhone-oriented. And and he um, absolutely loves the Rhone, and it's a strong influence on what we do. Right. So... um, Describe that a little bit more. I mean, I think a lot of, especially listeners of this show, will know Rhone varieties, but... um, Tell, tell us a little bit about that backstory and, and, and maybe how he thought that they were a little similar. Sure. So, um, you know, we have very warm summers and lots of growing days. And, and, and the, um, to get technical, the heat units are, are quite similar compared to the Rhone Valley. Um, we do. So heat heat units are kind of the the geology way of uh, measuring the cumulative heat a vineyard gets over the entire growing year, right? Yes. Thank yeah. You. So so that's kind of a way that that vineyard people uh, compare their their regions. Yeah. Yeah. So and it's. Um it, again, the same soil, so you have those galets that, that the French have in, in, in Chateauneuf de Pop that we have in uh, the Rocks District, and it's just um, very, very similar climates and, and little rain, you know, very arid. And we do have harsher winters than, than Chateauneuf or southern France does, but um, we mitigate that with sourcing out by the Columbia River so that you can um, have more temperate. Uh, climate out there with that body so if of water there is, protecting. So if there is a danger in the vineyard, it's it's maybe the frosts uh, and and the the really cool temperatures that might kind of affect the crop in the next year. Is that right? Yeah. So frost damage is um, kind of always in the back of our minds. So we actually um, planted our estate vineyard uh, using the head training system or the goblet train system that uh, a lot of um, Europe uses, and uh, it's a little bit of a hybrid because we actually do train one um, one cordon up to a low trellis wire so it's a, it's it's a hybrid but the the point being is that we um, are able to to bury that cane each um, each harvest or after each harvest and and mound up the dirt around the vine so that we protect it uh, a great example of that would be this last winter which was absolutely brutal oh so that the way this is very cool I didn't I didn't realize that they were kind of head trained and had this hybrid quality so um, 
uh, I, I just want to kind of mention a few things about that because uh, when you go into very old vineyards in France, you see these, they're like kind of little, um, little tiny trunks that just come out of the maybe knee high, right? Or maybe even a mm -hmm. little bit lower. Uh, and first of all, it's backbreaking work because you have to bend over, mm -hmm. right? And second of all, uh, you get a lot lower yields than if you were to trellis and, and have trellising wires that then you can set the fruit and plan things really well. Um, and so it was a choice to plant the vineyard and train them head train. So that's, that's an interesting choice in today's world. Certainly yeah. it's, it is more definitely very laborious, especially being planted in a bunch of rocks. Um, you, yeah, yeah, right, <laughs> it's right. just like double, double the fun. Yeah. You break um, your neck and your ankle <laughs> trying to get, uh, right. get around. Yeah. So, um, we have an awesome vineyard crew that does a great job, but, uh, we're more interested in, in getting the, uh, the fruit you know, growing the, the, the fruit zone rather than a, a, a trunk, a tree trunk. You know, we're not looking to grow wood, we're looking to grow fruit. So our fruit zone is much closer to the ground yeah. uh, than most your standard uh, vineyard, which most people think of. And I'll be happy to share some yeah. uh, vineyard shots for you. Um, the... The other, the other benefit is that you are getting a little more of that ripening. Um, right, closer yeah, to the rocks, yeah. closer to that, that, that heat that's coming up, right. yeah. So going back to this last winter, um, we had one of the worst winters we've had in about 30 years. And it was single digits, um, tons of snow, and um, we actually, in the area of the Rocks District, it hit negative 8 wow. uh, degrees Fahrenheit, uh, which is unreal um but that's tough for vines yeah that's very yeah. tough so it's tough for people too <laughs> yeah none of us enjoyed it um and so the one of the benefits was is that we had a gradual decline into those super cold temperatures so that um, the vines were able to to uh, lignify and really uh harden so that they were prepared for it um, but also with having that um having them the dirt mounted up on on the vine and having our canes buried, they were very well protected. Now, if you do the standard, what they call vertical shoot positioning, you know, the, with the double cordon, that, that is what most people picture when they think of a vineyard. Um, those are much more susceptible to frost as they don't have that protection. They don't have the, you know, almost like an igloo, you know, right. to, to hang out in. So um, vineyards around us were freezing out and we had almost no damage. Oh, wow. So, yeah, there's a lot of work up front and yeah, it's backbreaking but and it it's very off. laborious and you have to do 99% of it by hand. <laughs> um, but we're not replanting. Right, right, so, for sure. Um, yeah. There is something to be said for... Uh, what the the vineyards that are centuries old have been doing. So, right. Yeah. Okay. So Sean Boyd, said, you know, so he makes the move. He wants to make wine. Uh, geology background purchases the 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 land in the rocks, um, but then also starts uh, working with a few other vineyard sourcing. Right. And that's and and so um, so currently now you have the the, the vineyards that 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 y'all own. Right, and then and then a, a handful of other wine, of other vineyards that you work with, or so, describe that that dynamic. Sure. So um, Washington State's a bit unique because uh, I think a lot of people conjure up, you know, the estate sitting on their land with, you know, they're only getting fruit from their estate. Uh, however, Washington kind of came about with farmers, so a lot of farmers either converted from wheat or they or or cherries or or they they, they do both. I have, we have a, several vineyard managers that um, actually 
start with cherries, run into to grape harvest. Yeah, um, yeah cherries are huge in, in Washington massive, State. Fruit trees know? in yeah. general, yeah. And they typically say that where cherries grow well, vineyards also kind of grow really well. So then, Absolutely. so as as vineyards become, you know, they, as they think they might get a little bit more money from from grapes, they might they might be ripping out those cherry trees, but 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 maybe not. Sure, yeah. So cherries and apples are are, are big in in Washington, uh, and uh, so a lot of farmers might do both, or but they are still solely focused on the agricultural side. So you have these other smaller wineries cropping up that aren't necessarily able to purchase land or farm their own land, but they can purchase fruit. Um, yeah. And and often sign long term contracts. So we do. We source with about, um, including our state vineyard, we have about 12 different vineyards that we get fruit from. So uh, instead of and being... And still, again, all Rhone varieties, All right? Rhone varietals, nothing yeah. different. We don't, um, we don't straddle the Bordeaux side of things at all. So, um, you know, we're uh, really looking at where is the best place to source this particular varietal uh, in Washington state. We're not married to Walla Walla. We're not married to our state. We're looking for where's the best soil, where's the best climate, where does this, you know, where are we going to get the best possible fruit that we can get in Washington state? Absolutely. Yeah. We were going, we are going to talk about each of those varietals, but we have to take a short break break first. (laughs) This is another bottle down on Co-op Radio, K-O-O-P 91.7 FM and K-O-O-P.org. My name is Mark Rayshap and we will, we will uh, pick it back up after the break. Okay, we're back. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are talking about wine, of course. That's what we do on this show, Another Bottle Down. And we're focusing on Washington State and Walla Walla Valley, which is uh, part of the Columbia River Valley. And we're speaking with Maddie Richards from Roti Cellars. Uh, We got a great overview of Walla Walla. I love it. Uh, And Washington State. Next week, we're going to have the president of Washington State Wines on the show. So we're really looking forward to that. Stay tuned for more information. Um, and so uh, we're going to hone in on what Roti Sellers is doing. Of course, Roti Sellers is a reference to, to a famous region in the Rhone. Tell us about the, the, the name. Sure. So it's a nod to uh, Cote Roti, which is in northern Rhone. And they're famous for their Syrahs with a little bit of Viognier co-fermented in them. And it's on this super craggy hill along the Rhone River uh, in southeastern France. And it's just... Um, the wines coming out of there are absolutely phenomenal. Right. Um, you know, you have some very world famous producers um, that that come from there, and just yeah, super savory profiles. There's savory yeah. notes. There, there's elegance too. I mean, it. it, it uh, you know, we didn't mention this this aspect, but the Rhone River and, and, and the Northern Rhone is particularly famous for. Uh, these pretty fierce winds that that rip up the river and and Walla Walla in that area has some pretty fierce winds as well right definitely so um, one of the sites that we source from is a small vineyard that sits about 40 feet off the Columbia River and you know we'll go do vineyard checks in the middle of the summer and you're out there in the trucks registering 104 degrees Fahrenheit and you can fry an egg on the basalt rock that you're parked on. But then you step down in the vineyard and it's super windy and all this air movement's coming through there and the ambient temperature is easily 10 degrees cooler. Wow. So it's, um, you're, that, that wind is, is um, thickening the skins of the grapes, but it's also pushing airflow through there so you have almost no rain events happening in this vineyard, which is right. just bananas. Um, 
<laughs> and uh, you know, not too far down or down the river, uh, you have the famous site for all the the kite surfing and the and the wind right. surfing yeah. and Hood River and Oregon is a major spot for that. And it's just all along the Columbia River, you're, the wind's coming off the Mount Hood and just ripping down um, that whole gorge. And it's just it's winds that I've never experienced before, especially when you go out um, to our another one of our sites, Wallula Vineyard, and you're standing on top of that and you just, you think you're gonna get blown off the cliff. Yeah, and and that is, uh, it's tricky sometimes for, for grapes, but in the end, it, uh, it, it like you say, the skins are a, a little toughened and, and then that transfers, you know, we always have to mention what it actually does to the flavor, but that transfers into a little bit more color and flavor and because all of that stuff is found in the skins. Right? Absolutely. And you get those fine, uh, fine kind of brown tannins. Uh, so they do firmer tannin structure, but it's, it's the, the tannins that we're, you know, we really like to have those brown tannins that, that can polymerize and, and turn into a really velvety kind of mouthfeel. Yeah. So, so you know, of course, so coat roti, as we said, um, Syrah, really famous Syrah. Um, what is, is Syrah the grape that you do the most of uh, in the winery? So we haven't, um, Syrah is probably, um, if you look at our, at our tonnage, yes, it's probably the, the most that we do. Uh, however, we, our two wines, our Northern blend and our Southern blend, which is Northern blend is Syrah with the Viognier co-fermented and then the Southern blend being Grenache Syrah Mouvedre blend. Uh, those, um, Bottle-wise, bottle production-wise, are actually an even split. Okay, so. so so that is in pure reference when you say northern blend, you're actually just you're referencing that it's a it's a, a tribute to the northern Rhone and southern blend tribute to the southern Rhone. Correct styles. Nothing to do with vineyard location. Nothing, okay. Everything to do with being indicative of the style of wine you'd find in uh, that. Okay, this Rome. clears it up because mm-hmm. I was a little confused earlier, but um, there was a lot going on uh, at the moment. Right. Yeah. So it's um. Uh, we have a we have a white, a northern white and southern white, and a northern Rhone and southern Rhone that we um, are just using uh, the stylistically right. is what okay. is what your gauge is there. Okay, so so let's start with the whites. What when we say no, so the northern so you have a northern white, right? Right, what, which and I didn't what is bring that? today. Yeah. Uh, so the northern white is um, Marsan dominant with a little bit of Roussan blended in. So it's about sixty-seven Marsan, thirty-three Roussan, more minerality, um, just a a little bit uh, leaner and um, very much just wanting to uh, have this crisp white. And like here in Austin, it can get quite hot in the summertime. So we want bright, refreshing white wines. And this one is just gorgeous with shellfish. Yeah. We'll chuck a bunch of oysters and drink drink the northern white all Absolutely. day long. And, and do you can you tell us how what the Marsan does and the Roussan? Uh, do you taste these in the winery uh, separately before they're blended together? And, and what does each one contribute to the to sure. the blend? Uh, so the 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 Marsan and Roussan both are all stainless steel fermentation and aging, so that we keep them super bright. Um, they stay fully apart um, or it's fully separate until. Uh, until we're ready for bottling. And we, uh, the Marsan really brings more minerality to the table, to the blend, and then the Roussan is going to round things out and soften things. So Marsan can be quite lean and, and, and pretty, um, pretty linear, so that Roussan really just softens the finish right. and uh, just 
like I said, gorgeous pairing with shellfish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and of course, uh, listeners to this show know a lot that, that in Texas, Rusan is really finding a home as well here. Um, is, are, are people excited? Is, is this a blend that you see around? Are people in Walla Walla doing this? Um, or is it more of a niche sort of thing that you're exploring because of this focus on the Rhone? Uh, it's more the latter, so again, just being an, a niche exploration of, of um, the Rome Valley. However, Roussan is starting to become more popular. I've seen that uh, cropping up in a few other wineries. Um, and then Marsan blended in here and there. But um, yeah. I wouldn't say it's super popular right, right, just, right. just yet. You know, I think it's a, the consumer overall is learning more and more about the Rome varietals. We're seeing, as you know, our world shrinks, we're seeing more and more of the... the those varietals making their way to our shores. So, um, yeah, just with all the exposure. Yeah, so. I mean, the the in my opinion, the that Brusan Marsan blend really strikes a nice a nice chord for folks who might like Chardonnay, but maybe um, not the oaky quality where you, where Roussan gives it this body and Marsan gives it ni- this nice brightness. So um, it's kind of it's kind of good for people who who like white Burgundy or or Chablis or something like that, and they're looking for something a little different. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. What? Uh, so then then if we move from the northern blend to the southern blend on the white side, what 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 is it that we're seeing? Yeah. So the southern white is uh, Viognier dominant with Roussan and Marsan, and uh, the Viognier we really walk a tightrope uh, in the yes. vineyard with this one. This one's super fun. Definitely want to talk about this because Viognier is a very tricky grape, right? To do yes. very well. Yes. So uh, you have to be careful because we want to get um, enough ripeness so that we have all those beautiful aromatics that you get from Viognier with this um, kind of floral component and, and lots of uh, melon and just really pretty honeysuckle. However, if you let it get too ripe, then you start having all those um, over-the-top tropical fruits and pineapple, which are, are nice, but it, it, it can get fat and it can get uh, just a little too viscous, um, at least for our taste. So we like to keep the Viognier more on the lean side and the brighter side of things uh, and show off the aromatics of Viognier and, and keep almost greener qualities with, with the, on the palate. Um, and then blending in Roussan and Marsan with that Vionne really, again, helps keep things bright and refreshing. Yeah. Um, and bringing minerality to the table and, and, and also just, yeah, just adding a little bit of uh, roundness there. So in order to keep that Viognier a little bit uh, greener, as you say, or a little bit fresher, higher acidity compared to the ripeness, are you harvesting it earlier than a lot of wineries? I mean, most wineries or... or um, it- yeah, I think we are... On a little on the early side, I mean, I don't always talk bricks with a bunch of different wineries. I, I right, have right. friends that are, you know, with other ones, so I kind of have an idea. But, you know, we're usually in the 20, 22 uh, bricks Okay, range. so that, that's, lo- that's, that's low. pretty low. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think we've gone as low as like 21.6, but wow. usually 22 is a safe bet, especially on the warmer vintages. Um, and... Yeah, so we again just really trying to keep it bright. And right, and 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 also to where people want maybe more than one glass. You know, it's a, Viognier is such a it's such a generous variety, and it can it can be so interesting. But then when it's overripe, you you, you might feel that it's kind of overly burdening, and you don't want to have you don't want to have more than uh, you know a couple sips. And right. So, yeah. It it it's naturally a viscous varietal, right. so having 
you want weight, but you don't want it. You want it to be in check. Yeah. Yeah. So um, and so and then all of your whites go into those two wines. Uh, or do you do anything other uh, unique stuff? We have one other white wine that we produce, and it's a Grenache Blanc. And ah, okay. so that one's just um, been really fun. Again, another exploration in the in the Rome varietals. And right. we were able to acquire a couple of blocks and um, just been playing with that in a cellar. We do really limited production, about 120 cases on those each year. And okay, we're, yeah. we've only done three vintages with that one. So just so a handful of barrels, right? Yeah, yeah. just keeping it, um, keeping it low production. And that's really just something we release in the summertime. You know, club members enjoy it, and then we sell it in the tasting room, and that's about it. Is it kind of comparable to uh, white Chateauneuf de Pop or, or Grenache Blanc from the from the Southern Rhone? Is it, um, or is it kind of its own unique piece? Describe the, the flavors in case people don't know about it. Definitely, yes. Yeah. So, you know, I find most um, white Chateauneuf, um, the pop of Grenache Blanc tends to be um, really more, um, they usually send it through barrel fermentation and, yeah. and, and, and maybe even secondary. So we do not do any of that. It's all stainless. There's no secondary fermentation on, actually on any of our white wines. And um, Meaning that, that, this, that secondary fermentation kind of lessens the acidity. It transforms the acidity so, so you lose that, that kind of freshness. Right, right yes, the malolact- or malolactic, it's this other term. And, you know, really just, uh, it, you know, it, it makes, you know, your Chardonnays creamier um, or, or your Viennese for that matter. Uh, it's just something that we prefer to keep our white wines bright because it's quite hot in mm. the summertime. Right, so, so you can achieve that creaminess via different, different ways and, and, and you achieve it through... The, the, the ripeness and just the natural texture of the grape, you don't have to put it through the secondary from Because when I tasted your, you know, your Southern blend, it just had this lovely freshness, but it, it was a serious wine that it had richness and, and beautiful texture on the palate. Sure. Yeah. yeah I, thank you. Um, I, yeah, we, we just don't really feel the, the need to send sure. to secondary. So, right. um, so our Grenache Blanc doesn't go through that and it's very, very bright super uh, high acidity, lots of lemon zest, um, just very crisp. I love it when, again, it's 104 out and it's, you know, you're just, you're just dying and you just want something super quaffable. Um, then that's usually when we pull that out. Sure. Sure. Well then, you know, we've, we've touched on the reds, but, um, you know, maybe we go in a little deeper, uh, deeper dive to, uh, so your northern blend is going to be, be Syrah dominant, right? That's Correct. what we mentioned. Yeah. yeah. What, um, what, what is it that, that, you know, Sean and, and, and everybody from the vineyard workers to, to him are kind of trying to go, go for, what is the overall philosophy? I mean, um, the wines do tend to have a little bit, you know, kind of more balance and elegance, I think, than, than, than some others. Um, but Syrah's a tricky one. People don't know whether they're going to get superly jammy flavors or they don't know whether they're going to get really meaty flavors. So, so what's, what's kind of the philosophy on the Syrah? Well, you know, I'd, I'd say it actually holds true for all of our wines, the, the philosophy on the Syrah is that, you know, we're really wanting to um, showcase Washington fruit and the purity of the fruit and really express the terroir uh, and have a sense of place with our wines. So, um, you know, growing 
and vinifying Syrah really is just a hands-off approach, you know, just really let nature do its work and don't hit the panic button if something looks like it's going to be, uh, you know, going <laughs> sideways on you, you know, more often than not, it works itself out, which yeah. is, um, you know, just remembering your place more as a curator rather than, um, manipulating something to, to fit what you think the profile should be. So it's really, we want to show, we want to show this varietal, but we want to show where it's, you know, where it's coming from and, and, and just really understanding the terroir. Yeah. So it's almost a study in soil um, through the prism of a, of a varietal. Right. And, and you'll get that um, with, with your vineyard in the rocks, but then in these other vineyards as well, right? And then it's got to be a fun moment to, to do that blend, to, to you know, uh, to, to decide what 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 is that expression right uh, is, is it blend a blend of a number of vineyards and is it is the goal to eventually be 100% from your own vineyard uh, how does that work out uh, so right now the so 2015 the vintage you tasted today is 100% um, our estate vineyard okay, so yeah. that was um, very first vintage that we were able to do that so we're really excited okay um, so indeed yes a, a single vineyard and an expression of that vineyard absolutely yeah, yeah. Cool. and it's and it's again quite small so it's just truly a microclimate there um, you know so going forward it'll just be watching that vineyard mature and really uh, expressing that and just watching those wines just get better and better yeah. over time which is gonna be really fun wow yeah. and then the granat the southern blend the grenache and so yeah so the southern blend is more sourced along the 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 columbia river so i always like to kind of refer to it as almost like a layer cake because you get these beautiful red fruits um and then the savory uh, mid palate and then the spice on the finish and it's just such a fantastic snapshot of four or five different vineyards right along the Columbia River. Um, so you're really seeing a array of Washington and climates and soils all yeah. together in one wine. So you mentioned Grenache and Mourved, right? Mm -hmm. Is there a little Syrah on that as well? There, so it's actually, so it's seven, this, the 15 is 70 Grenache, 15 Syrah, and 15 Mouvedre. So okay. it's even split between the two. Yeah, and 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 the the can you um, for folks who who aren't familiar necessarily with the components of this of this blend, what are what are those flavors that come out? Because Grenache also can express itself in a different in a variety of ways. Yeah, Grenache really can run the gamut, which yeah. is uh, kind of crazy. But for us, we really try to keep it on that fresh red fruit side of things. So um, red raspberry, bright strawberry, um, really um, just bright fresh qualities and then the Mouvedre brings in that savory um, darker fruits and adds a little structure to the you know the blend really just um, being the backbone and, and providing tannin structure there and then the Syrah really is more of um, just adding a little bit of spice a little bit of darkness um, again to the depth to the wine just really uh, adding complexity yeah wonderful um, well, we have just a few minutes left. Uh, you're tuned in to Co-op Radio, uh, 91.7 FM, KOOP.org. My name is Mark Rayshap, and of course, Another Bottle Down is the show. Um, any, any, let's just have our final thoughts. I mean, um, is it fun to visit Walla Walla? Is, uh, what, what is in store for Roti sellers over, over the next couple of years, and, and, uh, and where do you see everything going? Uh, Walla Walla is awesome. I, I think it's a great town. You know, I'm from Texas, you know, grew up in Dallas, went to school here at UT. Yeah. Um, great so to have you back. It feels good to be home. <laughs> um, so it was, 
it was interesting moving to a small town where you know you just never grew up around that but there's there's so many great things it's absolutely beautiful the food scene is amazing we have james beard nominees you know left and right and yeah um, What's your favorite restaurant? In oh no! Um, <laughs> Put you on the spot. A shout here. out to uh, Saffron Mediterranean Kitchen. Oh, okay. uh, it's they actually have been nominated for a James Beard Award awesome. eight nine years in a row now, um, and their their food is some of my favorite in the Northwest. Um, but yeah, it's it's a beautiful place to visit. I mean, if you like wine, yeah. you can you can taste to your heart's content. Right. You can golf. Um, there's a lot to do and you can get out and explore too. That's probably one of my favorite things about Walla Walla is being able to be in town and having, um, you know, city life, I guess. Um, but you can also 10, 15 minutes, you're out and you can be out camping and in the backcountry hiking. And and there's a pretty prominent, uh, um, community college for winemaking, winemaking program there. Do you, is that presence pretty big? Do you see kind of students trying to hone their chops, visiting the winery and trying to figure out what y'all are doing? And definitely, um, our co-winemaker, Kevin Masterman is a graduate from there. And a lot of my good friends also went through school there and it's an incredible program in there. Um, they're doing an amazing job of, of turning out some really well-educated, knowledgeable, and talented winemakers. Yeah. Um, some of them have gone on to start their own wineries. Others are, you know, running programs for, for other local wineries in town. So yeah. it's, a, it's a cool uh, cool thing to see that really developing in just kind of a grassroots effort. Um, and, and the growth has been incredible. I mean, we, we mentioned o- over 120 um, uh, wineries, maybe maybe uh, tasting rooms almost, but but probably more that are coming on. Do you, do you think that there is a, a cap? Do you think that everything's saturated yet or there's still a lot of room? Just when I think things are totally saturated, more keep opening and there just never seems to be um, like, there's just always there's always more room and there's always right. you know it's the slice of pie. So when you know folks come to visit, they they come out and they all have their individual itineraries and wine is so subjective. So they have the thing you know this everyone has a different thing that they're looking for. So there seems to be enough pie for everybody. Yeah. At least at this point in time, and I don't I don't see a cap anytime soon. Well, I'm excited what Roti Sellers are doing. The website is rotisellers.com. Okay, great, and we'll post a link in the blog and some photos. Maddie Richards, thank you so much for being here. It was a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you, Mark. The pleasure. We'll stay in touch, and uh, and we'll, we'll we'll get some updates uh, in the years uh, in the years ahead. Sounds great. Thank All you. Right. Yeah. All right. This is KOOP ninety one point seven FM and KOOP.org. Stay tuned for the rest of wonderful co op programming.